world is changing at a rate that we've never seen before. From business to art to sports, these changes are affecting every aspect of our lives. My name is Nick Kastner, and we're setting out to talk with the people who are altering the way things are done. Along with Alec McChesney, this is The Commonwealth. And our guest today is Romany Thomas, the founder and CEO of Juggle Jobs, which is a platform disrupting the amount of females hired in senior level positions. Uh, thank you for yes. having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I, I am honored. Um, I'm honored to both be in your office and we, we kind of planned this last minute. So I, I appreciate you making the time for me. Pleasure. Happy to be here. Yes. Yeah. So to start with, the, um, the problem you all are solving is the amount of, uh, of of females, or the, the lack of females in, in senior level positions across industries. So I, uh, to start with, I would like to break down what that, like, what exactly that problem problem is, because it's nuanced and complex. So um, just like, Starting with that, which yeah, is kind of, course, of broad. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so just quickly on my background, I've spent just over 10 years in the professional recruitment world, okay. um, primarily at senior level. So placing senior level prof- professionals into businesses and um, executive search as a discipline is very, very old fashioned, should mm-hmm. we say. Super manual processes doesn't leverage technology and it is an old boys club as yeah. well. And I, I, I noticed that even though there was lots of requests for female professionals at that level, there's simply a lack of women there. In fact, I think there's only like six CEOs in the Fortune 500 who are women. Mm -hmm. And it just really got me thinking. And I could see that the consequence of that is this untapped pool of professionals who really, really want to work in interesting roles but the world of work is not optimized for them and there's no real excuse for that anymore you know technology makes it possible for people to work much more on their terms Mm -hmm. if we leverage technology uh, people can duck in and out of the workforce when children come along or they just simply want to pursue more interests or whatever Um, So that felt like a really interesting problem to solve. Yeah. Um, So the why behind Juggle is, and the outcome that we're looking for is to solve the gender gap in business leadership. The how we do that is to make flexible working really work. So enable professionals to work on their terms and for that to be an attractive way for for businesses to staff their companies. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, you know, it's an interesting problem to solve. It's not trivial. Um, But but we believe that the outcome of that is the workplace becomes much more democratic um, and more women will rise to the top. Yes. Yeah. So what's causing the problem? Like why are less females getting hired? Yeah. I mean, if you look, there's lots of answers to that to that question Mm -hmm. Um, we're looking at it on a pure sort of uh structure of work so if you look at um the history of work like farming and um the industrial revolution we all worked in a sort of nine to five way and the world of work was customized often to married men Um, and certainly the professions like accountancy legal banking etc it's tailored to a specific type of person and that's now centuries worth of being optimized for them. So we're trying to tear down those structures in a really short period of time. And that's the exciting thing about technology. The outcome being more more different and diverse types of people can get involved in those professions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we're doing. We're disrupting the structure of work, consequently leading to the outcome of more more women rising to the top. Yes, okay, absolutely. And then how, um, what does that disruption look like? Like how, how are you guys changing changing the structure of the, the world, world of work yeah. yeah um so 
So I think it's worth noting that um, even though we went into this with, and I certainly went into this with a kind of gender diversity mindset, Mm -hmm. actually what's happened is 40% of our placements are today are men. Um, Yeah, really, really, really interesting. And actually, I'm very happy with that because if we just make flexible working available to women, then all we're doing is reinforcing the stereotypes that exist today. Whereas if men can work flexibly too, then we're saying, actually, who's the caregiver at home is totally different, who's um, the breadwinner at work is totally different, and just mixing it up. Um, so we're looking to kind of change the paradigm, um, huh. if that if that makes sense. So gender diversity is our the outcome, but actually this conversation is universal. It's to do to do with men as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what is flexible work? Actually, like, maybe. Yeah. Yes. So I think it means different things to different segments of um, the world of work. We're concentrating on um, like professional work, mid to senior level. Um, and for that, we found it falls into three main categories. One is defined part time work. So that tends to be two to four days per week um, where somebody is juggling other responsibilities at home. Uh, the second is full time, but with flexibility baked in. So maybe there's compression on hours or there's some remote work baked in. Um, the third is portfolio style careers, where somebody is working perhaps one to four days per month for a company. Okay. And then layered on top of that is another one to four day per month role. And they genuinely juggle jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third category is the one that we're really excited about because we believe that the world of work is moving in that direction and our aim at juggle is actually lower the barriers and make it super super easy for professionals to juggle jobs in quote hence the hence the, company hence the name okay yeah. i like it <laughs> so the um and and your target role is senior level positions correct? yeah yeah it's, so it's a, it's like it's like mid to senior level pro- okay. positions so we're not talking about um entry level we're not look, talking about people who are in the first few years of their career we're talking about established folks mm-hmm. so you've like really gained a reputation a contact book um but perhaps entering the next phase of your life um where uh you know having a, a slightly more diverse and interesting life is important to you yeah and are um i would assume those roles are not typically like part-time or like correct yeah yeah correct if you, if you look at the if you look at the data that exists today mm-hmm. the um the percentage of roles that are advertised as flexible or part-time as the salary increases goes down however a really interesting trend is the percentage year on year is going up hmm. for those uh, senior years uh, senior roles sorry um up to about 40% for roles kind of between 80 and 100,000 a year, the, the rise between uh, those that were advertised as flex last year to this year has been a 40% rise. So we're seeing a very interesting trend there. Yeah. And and you started by giving a... Um a sense of a sense of your background. Yeah. So you worked in job placement for for how many years? Correct. So yeah. um, I worked in executive search for okay. ten years. So I've um, I've seen what it looks like on the the inside. It's yeah. um, it's not very disrupted by technology, yes. shall we say? And that's where we see the opportunity yeah. here. Why did you get in that field to begin with? Um, great question. I actually joined in the last financial crash in 2008, okay. just as, um, just as Bear Stearns was going down. Uh, my, my job was working, placing people into hedge funds and, uh, then Lehman Brothers went down. So it was a really like scary time, but actually quite a good time to start one's career. Um, okay. why? I, uh, I was really interested in sales as a profession, um, mm-hmm. and recruitment kind of embodies all of that. It's has like a really heavy sales element, strong relationship 
management. And actually, I, I find it very meaningful Mm -hmm. uh, helping people to find careers and develop careers. So yeah, okay. it, it, it had everything for me. And then at, at which point did you did you break off and, and start your own thing? Yeah, so I started thinking about Juggle about four years ago. I, I started the business two and a half years ago, but it was in my head about four years ago. I was okay. just noticing I was interacting with less and less women as I was going further up the career ladder. Yeah. And I didn't like that trend. Okay. And, and then so after you saw that, saw that trend, what, what caused you to to start to start juggle jobs like, um that? yeah I, I i think without even realizing it i was starting to do my own user research so okay. I was, like interviewing my friends who yeah. were leaving the workforce trying to understand why these hugely talented people who had this amazing experience and then companies were almost cutting them off as soon mm -hmm. as they had a baby or if someone's priorities shifted a little bit and I was like that's absolutely crazy yeah um, and at the same time we within the business were complaining that we couldn't find highly talented diverse people and I just thought there must be something must be something, must be something here um, and the company that I'd helped build had just got to over 100 people at that mm -hmm. point I joined when we were 10 okay wow. and it felt like it was the next stage so I either needed to stay on the uh uh, yeah, stay on that journey yeah. and scale it to the next level, or, or give Juggle a go. Yeah, and then, so then, how how did you develop the product within this within this problem? Yeah, great question. Um, so one of the one of the stories that really sticks in my mind that helped has helped shape the Juggle product today is um, watching a friend of mine. She was you know very senior in a business, but she was in her early thirties and had two children. She mm -hmm. definitely needed more flexibility, but yeah. not just for children, but she'd, she'd kind of reached the peak of her learning as well, okay. needed a new phase of her career. And she, um, she decided to go straight into juggling jobs before I'd kind of coined and trademarked that term. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? It really didn't work, but it was, um, I'll explain the journey because it was super interesting. She, so first of all, finding a flexible job at that level was really hard, as yeah. I've explained already. Getting those jobs is, is difficult. So she went to work for a friend of ours who's very strong on the sales side, mm -hmm. not particularly strong on administration and finance, shall we say. So she was finding herself chasing him up for, for money at the end mm -hmm. of the month, which, you know, it's pretty awkward to do with a friend, but then yeah. you throw in being British as well. And that's, you know, <laughs> we don't like talking about money. It was super awkward. Um, and then because she was juggling jobs, in quote, she was um, doing some work remotely and the clients uh, were like unsure about what she was doing. So she was working well into the night to overcompensate for this. I think this will probably resonate with a lot of people. Um, yeah. And the thing that just tipped her over the edge was doing her taxes and all the admin and the forms that come with being self-employed. And she thought, hang on a second, I'm working harder. I'm having to chase getting paid uh, for work that I'm doing well and I see my kids less mm -hmm. um, so she went back to her original job they welcomed her with opened arms and because she's brilliant but the truth is she's pretty disengaged with what she's doing and we all know people like her now and it's, yeah. a, it's a really sad but normal story most and people I would say are disengaged with her work ab absolutely yeah. and that made me realise so number one like this whole concept of people working five days a week nine to five nine to six whatever it's a bit dated for the type of knowledge work that we do. And if people are able to mix it up or rest more, then, you know, they do more valuable, productive work. So that was number one. Flex jobs is important. Number two, we have to make sure they get paid on time. Like Airbnb, you get paid. Mm -hmm. Uber drivers get paid on time. Why can't professional workers just get paid seamlessly? Why do they have to invoice at the end of the month and then wait 30 days to get paid? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, 
And then the third thing I realized, we needed to create a platform that was professional first. Like so many recruitment and hiring and HR platforms look after the business because that's where the revenue stream is. Mm -hmm. And actually I thought, no, let's look after the professional. Let's make sure their needs are completely met. So they just need to turn up and think about doing a great job and that's it. And Juggle looks after the rest. And then if we look after them, then the revenue comes from the businesses because they want to access these great people. Yes. Yeah. And how, how is that pitched to the to the businesses? Like, how, how yeah. does that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's the, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, but in, in truth, they totally get it as well. Mm. Um, and the, the one thing that businesses don't like to particularly admit, but is true, is they don't really like managing people. In fact, I think all of us can agree is, you know, we've all experienced hopeless managers in the past. What companies want is people who are high quality, deliver great work, have impact in their business and are Mm self-managing, they're self-motivated. And the reality is with with flexible working is you have to be all of those things. If you're going to have a sustained career as a flexible person, you have to deliver high quality work. You have to be self-motivated. You have to learn how to upwards manage and so on. So Mm -hmm. it almost becomes self-filtering for the businesses to access high quality people, which is exactly what they need. No, interesting. Um, So then how... Can you give a sense on how that how that client expansion has gone, like to to onboard the both businesses and then to onboard the the people looking for work? Yeah, it's gone it's gone really well. Um, I, I would say the concept is more needed and more understood on the professional side, so that side's been easier. Yeah. Um, the business side, even a year ago, I was a little bit worried about that they just weren't really getting the concept. Um, yeah. I would say that's changed this year. Okay. Um, perhaps it's because of just the natural pressure that businesses are facing from their own existing staff. Mm-hmm. So now they're thinking, actually, this is going to happen whether we like it or not. You know, yeah. People are going to want to work on their terms. So why don't we just leverage this and access a better talent base and yeah, get a, a gain from all the benefits, oh, i.e. Like- cost of hiring part-time staff instead so in answer to your question it's gone pretty well okay but the business side has been a bit harder to get off the ground yeah totally yeah so you have raised uh 1.3 million pounds for this product which is about 1.7 million dollars how how did that go like raising money for your seed round with with a concept that hadn't necessarily been been tested and and very new. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was. It was challenging. We did. We did an angel round um, early 2017. Okay. And actually, I was sort of running around London pitching the concept of uh, gender equality and flexible working. Mm-hmm. It was like really big thing. And flexible working wasn't particularly mainstream in the UK. Still, probably isn't that mainstream in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so I found myself in the US um, very quickly pitching to uh, West Coast angels who came on board with the round which was great. Mm-hmm. I think in part because the concept was understood. So that was, that was really nice. Um, and then the, the kind of VC round that we did similarly, I'd, I'd agree the partner that we ended up, um, taking money from, from the VC, he just viscerally understood the, uh, the story that we were telling, but 99% of the VCs that we pitched to did not. <laughs> yeah. And was it mainly the concept or do you, like, I, I have interviewed people who are also social entrepreneurs and pitching a social entrepreneurship concept can be, it can be difficult for, 
for your tr- uh, traditional venture capitalist to, I guess, understand and buy into? Did Did you see that that at all? Like, how how was it as a social entrepreneur? Yeah, definitely. I, I yeah, I definitely um, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I also think we're we're sort of talking about disrupting the world of work. So unless um, yeah, what I found is unless the VC had lived and breathed that feeling themselves, mm-hmm. or often their partner or their wife had, they just sort of sat there quite blankly. Okay. And they didn't really understand it. Or they put flexibility in the bucket of, well, this is a small segment of the market who will work like this. And sure, this is an interesting platform to access those people. Mm-hmm. But they didn't perhaps believe that as a trend, this is going to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the world of kind of professional work is ripe for disruption full stop. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where, where is this platform? Like, where, where can it all be accessed at? Like, are you in, uh, in every country on the globe? Yeah, or yeah. Just- so we are, um, we're, we're UK at the moment and we're, we're starting to do some work in America as well. Okay. Um, so you can just find us on uh, juggle.jobs. Okay, interesting, yeah. We're going to take a quick break to let you know how you can help us grow this community. We view the Commonwealth as a group of people working to change the world. By listening and supporting this show, you're crucial members of the Commonwealth. To continue this work, we need help growing our community. Please invite your friends to like the Commonwealth's Facebook page. The link and directions are in our show notes. Now, back to the conversation. How how do you balance that... uh like the the profit component with achieving the like the gender gap mission that, that you originally set out to yeah great question um i so i'm a big fan of profit because it sharpens the focus and it makes us um uh what am i trying to say here uh it gives us the right leverage to have the right impact mm-hmm. um, and i think that the mission and what we're trying to do is so socially involved um but the profit makes us very focused yeah. on on what we're doing to achieve this. And if you look at the, you know, I think charity is an amazing thing, but often they're run quite inefficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not absolutely focused on growth and like a mass, mass, mass uh, offering. Whereas we are, we're going for like a venture backed, big, big, big play yeah. here. Um, which means we've got shareholders to answer to, which means that we've got difficult board meetings to have. And having all of that, that makes... I, I think it means that the social impact will be bigger, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think it's important along the way to have people in the room who keep us in check. For example, we have um, a mission metric in the business to keep an eye on uh, how many women we're placing. Okay. So if that drops below 50%, we're like, okay, what's going wrong? We've got this gender diversity mission baked into the product. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a metric that we track. Why isn't that happening? Um, so I think it's important to have some checks and balances like yeah. that along the way. And has it ever dipped below fifty? It, no. it hasn't. Okay. No. And it, has the amount of men placed always been around forty? Yeah. So the the mission metric that we've set is between fifty and seventy percent. Okay. Um, it's you know slightly arbitrary number, but the the point is, if we go above seventy percent, means that we're not placing enough men into flex jobs, which goes against. The point, it means that we're reinforcing the stereotypes that we didn't want to. If we go below 50%, then we're kind of not exactly in line with our goal of democratizing the future of work. Yeah, Mm -hmm, of course. And so how, how long do you think, well... 
the this problem has got more more attention in the last decade of the the, the lack of diversity in senior level positions. Do you think it's getting better? as more attention has been been shed on the issue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the progress is still very very slow. Mm-hmm. Um I was I was quite saddened to read the uh, World Economic uh Forum report this year which um I believe shows us going backwards in terms of mm. uh the timeline to reach economic parity, which is a real shame. That was a global number. Um, and I think the kind of uh, the, the Europe was particularly strong. But, um, yeah, I mean, not particularly reassuring at all. It's an issue that needs to be tackled at all sides. So, yeah, I think it does get great press. But it's, are we dealing with the right problem? Um, An example of that is um, here in the UK, we went very, very heavy on getting as many women into board seats as possible. And I'm really supportive of that measure because I think having senior women at, at, at the board, it just is a shining light on, Mm -hmm. look, this is what you can do, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, what was happening, it was moving the same kind of women into into different roles. So they were just taking on massive portfolio careers. It wasn't about allowing a different segment of people into that club. Hmm. So it doesn't really solve the problem. It was just kind of perpetuating something that exists today. So I think we need to be really careful about which tactics are used to, to, to skin this cat, so yeah. to speak. And, and what tactics have you seen that are most effective to, to skin the cat as you... I think this one is... Re- I think this one... Um, so, like, pushing down the structural... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that stop, pe- stop women from get, getting into the workforce. I think the, um, the bias side of things as well, I've seen some really good products that are tackling that um, in terms of recruitment. Mm-hmm. So getting managers within businesses to be much more aware of their bias. We actually do that um, sort of accidentally through the, the jungle products. So we anonymize all profiles okay. until people get to an interview stage. So customers are making decisions about profiles just on the basis of their application. Nothing to do with their name, nothing to do with their ethnicity, nothing to do with their gender. Um, and guess what? The outcome of that is much more egalitarian um, yeah. than it would be. And what are the estimates of of the length it'll take to solve this or to, to solve the oh, problem? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think uh, the World Economic Forum said it was going to be 170 years okay. to reach gender parity. Um, I don't have that kind of time. Do you? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah what? Yeah. We 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 said we'd like to get there in 10 years. 10. Um, okay. Which. I think if we really smash down structural barriers, and this is where technology can be such an amazing leveler, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's no reason that that can happen. Yeah. Can't happen. So what's what's been the biggest struggle as a social entrepreneur, especially compared to just the, like regular entrepreneurship? Is there anything specifically about the social impact that you're making that, that has, has been challenging? Um, I, think I think your point around fundraising is really... A really good one in the back of the investor mindset, although it, this is happening less and less, is are you going to prioritize the returns that we need to see mm-hmm. eventually to build a really big, big business? Or are you going to be focusing on building something nice and softy and socially, socially, socially? Yeah. And I don't think those two are mutually exclusive, but the education aspect of that to um, sort of investors and shareholders, certainly in the beginning was a bit challenging. Um, I, although I think there are 
many more investors that are coming into the space that are kind of socially aware and actually capitalizing mm-hmm. on that trend, which is great. Interesting. Uh, so last question for you. What advice would you have uh, would you have for yourself if, if you go back to when, when you were just getting in, into this and the financial crisis hit? What advice would, would you give yourself? Uh, write everything down. It's something I've been doing recently. Um, it's taking a moment, you know, being such a millennial and journaling everything and using all sorts of apps to track my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've actually found I've become much better, more balanced founder as a consequence by being much more self-aware and enjoying the journey a little bit more actually because you have to take a moment to realize what you are doing right um and there is nobody going to be telling you you're doing a great job even if you are doing a great job so you have to learn to tell yourself so i would say yeah write things down from day one because if you look back it's it's quite an entertaining read as well okay nice so what what's next for juggle jobs um so we are launching the new version of our platform um early next year and taking on some more investors as well which is exciting, that is exciting. um and then we're launching in the u.s next year as All well right. which is super nice. exciting so so like around february about when this airs correct yeah so yeah. we um so we're going to start doing some work in the u.s um earlier in the year but kind of full formal launch a little bit later okay. um so some pilot customers earlier really understand the landscape and uh some of the language doesn't translate that well. We use all sorts of weird words. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, yeah, full launch later in the year. All right, perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on the show with me. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. And that is it for today's episode. Thanks for being a member of the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed this conversation, please tell your friends about us and leave a review. If you're interested in helping us grow this community, please invite your friends to like our Facebook page. The link and directions are in our show notes. We release episodes every Monday, so stay tuned for next week.